0: You know I'm so grateful to introduce my friend Mike, Ware, his wonderful wife Jeannie. I can't thank them enough for coming up here and investing in me. I was talking to a friend of mine who's um, you know elderly man, been in church his whole life, and um, I was raised in the Assemblies of God denomination. Our church is non-denominational, and I don't have any problems with denominations. I think they're wonderful uh, for us. We just felt led to be you know non-denominational and. I was asking my friend about his thoughts about that with denominations and, you know, oversight and accountability. And his big thing was, you know, what really matters is that you have accountability. And what I'm grateful for is when Mike comes, there's a sense of accountability that brings security and order to a house. And I'm sure grateful to have someone of his caliber helping oversee the ministry. So, Mike, Jeannie, would you come on up here? We want to just say thank you and welcome. It's great to have you with us. Again, the encore presentation.
1: Well, it's great to be here again today. And um, you know what, Um, Paul, you and I didn't plan this, but early this morning I was up and I was praying and I just really felt like um, God wanted to encourage this body. And uh, he wants to encourage you. Uh, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because it's already been pretty evident this morning that people in here are waiting on things. You're waiting for God to move in certain areas of your life. And some of you are not only waiting, but you've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And sometimes you think that God doesn't hear you. Or that he'll never, ever answer your prayer. But I'm here to tell you today that Abraham waited 25 years until he got his promise. But his promise was answered. Now, we're not going to expect you to wait 25 years for housing. Okay? That, that needs to come a little sooner. Okay? But let me just tell you something. Your waiting is not in vain. So if you are waiting, it is not in vain. Waiting is actually essential to our walk with God. You know, and because our waiting, it's essential because it builds our faith. Don't let it rob your faith. Let it build your faith. You know, God is smarter than we are, and he knows when the timing is right for that to be answered. And there's like three little things that you need to do while you're waiting. You know, you, always, you have to remind yourself that there's always a waiting time between the planting and the harvesting. Faith grows during that time because you know that harvest is coming. The next thing you need to do is waiting prepares you for your blessing. See, during that preparation, God wants to mold you. He wants to work in you. He wants to heal you of some things before you get that blessing that you're praying for. And the third thing is that in the waiting, you have to keep constantly reminding yourself that God always keeps his promise. You know, like that song we sang, if we're not dead, he's still moving, okay? So never allow the devil to alienate you from your promise. Your promise is on the way. I'm here to encourage you today. Whatever you're waiting for, your promise is on the way. Abraham received his promise, his promise of Isaac, not in Abraham's timing, but in God's timing. And so I just want to encourage you, keep praying, keep that promise before you, keep trusting God, because you know what? Your answer is on the way. Your answer is on the way. And God's word tells you that those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. You will fly as high on wings like eagles. You're going to run, and don't you walk, you grow weary. That's my little insert. You're going to walk, and you're not going to faint. So you just keep trusting. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.
2: Very good. Amen. I'm not on, am I? Am I on? Okay. I know I'm on, but I'm I'm, I'm on. Okay, I'm on. <laughs> Good to see everybody on Sunday morning. Yeah. It be seeing you on Monday morning. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. We just want to compliment your pastors, uh, Pastor Jordan and Elizabeth. They are just amazing people. I know you know that already, but they're genuine. And we love genuine people. I wouldn't be here if they were not authentic and the real deal and had character and integrity. I wouldn't be here. So uh, I think you need to embrace the vision of the house and, and of course, them. Some of you may be new, but I uh, just want to encourage you. You're in a good place. We're glad you're here. Amen. Well, this is Psalm Sunday. Is that what you get? Not Palm, but Psalm Sundays. Are you doing a series through the summer called Psalms? Is that, favorite Psalms. Yeah, okay, your favorite Psalms. Okay. Well, Pastor Jordan asked me if I would uh, preach on Psalms, so I am. So turn your Bibles uh, to Psalm 144. We're going to begin there in verse 11 in just a moment. While you're turning in your Bible app, some of you actually have Bibles. That's pretty cool. Most churches in Denver don't have Bibles. They're outlawed. (laughs) So they're only able to bring a digital device. But however you've got it, doesn't make any difference to me. But I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you have something. that You can read the scriptures with me. Uh, uh, you know, before we get started, everybody knows I'm from Louisiana originally. We've been living in Colorado for 35, 36 years, however long it's been. It's been a long time. We planted the church there, but I I can't go anywhere without ever talking about Boudreaux and Thibodeau. I'm sorry. It's just kind of part of who I am. You know, Cajun, those Cajuns down in South Louisiana. Anybody know what a Cajun is? Okay. If you don't know what a Cajun is, they're really well, how would you describe them? They're they're French people. Actually, they came from the north uh, northeast, you know, from Nova Scotia, that area. They got exiled uh, as French, and they came down to South Louisiana and live in the swamps in the marsh. And so uh, there's some there's some Thibodeaux, there's Boudreaux, there's Ardwines, there's Arsenaux, there's all the different kind of French names down there. But two of them are called Boudreaux and Thibodeau. They've been friends forever. And, uh, but I want to tell you a story. You know, on the Mississippi River, there's the levees that they build to keep the river from flooding. Well, Boudreaux was walking down the levee at the Mississippi River, and he sees this sign that says, Riverboat Cruises. So he stops and says, he asks the man, he says, hey, he says, how much in riverboat cruises? He said, they're $100. He said, I want some of that. He opened up his wallet, poured out $100, and the guy hit him in the head, took all of his money, and shoved him into the Mississippi River. A few minutes later, Thibodeau, his friend, came along, and he sees this sign, Riverboat Cruises. He opened up his wallet. Man, I want to find out about that. He says, how much did Riverboat cruise? He said, they're $100. He opened up his wallet to get the money out. The man hit him in the head, knocked him out, took all of his money, pushed him into the Mississippi River. A little while later, Boudreau, I mean, Thibodeau kind of catches up floating in the river, catches up with Boudreau. And he says, Boudreau, he said, did they serve dinner on this, on this cruise? He said, well, they didn't do it last year. You'll think about that one. Psalm Psalm 144. Amen. You know, the Bible makes it clear that we are in a spiritual battle. Can I hear an amen? amen? And most Christians have been blinded to the reality that there really is a spiritual war going on for your life, for your soul, for your family, for all those kind of things. And we've just been distracted. And there's a lot of things in this world that distract us. But today in this Christian world, there's very little spoken of the enemy that we face. In fact, Satan is never really mentioned as a player. Look, I've been in churches all over, and you never hear really much about Satan at all. Now, look, I grew up in a Baptist church. I mean, I cut my teeth on the Word of God in a Baptist church. They were afraid to mention the name of, of the devil. They were afraid if they mentioned Satan's name, he might attack them. So they just kind of ignored him and pretended like he wasn't there. But listen, we cannot live that way. We are in a spiritual war, but Satan is not mentioned as a player, but circumstances are. Chance is, luck, acts of God. I hear all those kind of terms nowadays. And of course, in this godless society that we're in right now, we naturally blame every incident or every circumstance on anything but Satan. Isn't that right? Can I hear an amen? So he's no longer in the mix. I'm I'm, I'm sure he's glad that that's the plan right now, that his name is not mentioned, but But when you can't or won't recognize that you have an enemy, that enemy can slither around and stalk you to try to take from you. He can manipulate you, inflict misery, and you'll never know he was there because you're not even recognizing him. You're not recognizing that he could be the one that's causing all the problems in your life. Now, look, I believe Satan has pulled the greatest magic trick of all time on humanity. It's called sleight of hand. You know, that's the the great trick of every uh, magician. Magician, thank you. Magician. That's the great trick of every magician is sleight of hand. You know, the distraction. If I can get you looking this way, then you won't see what I'm doing over here. That's exactly what Satan is doing right now under your nose. That's the bread and butter. That's his bread and butter right now. Distraction to get you to look at something else somewhere else, someplace else. So that sleight of the hand can trick you. Now I'm hoping from this message this morning that you'll begin to see that you have a vicious enemy that wants nothing more than to destroy your life and he's satisfied by doing it little by little. And he might be doing that to some of you right now. So I want to show you four specific areas where you need to be on guard and you need to battle. Four areas that Satan will... The Bible has a lot to say here in Psalm 144, verse 11 through 15. I'm going to read out of the NIV because the Bible has a lot to say about spiritual warfare, but I want to extract these few statements to show you something. It says in verse 11, it says, deliver me and rescue me from the hands of foreigners whose mouths are full of lies, whose right hands are deceitful. Now he's talking about a battle here. David is talking about a battle and really it's like a spiritual battle. He says, he says when, when you rescue me, when you deliver me from this spiritual battle, when, when I win this spiritual battle, then this is what's going to happen. Then our sons and their youth will be like well-nurtured plants, and our daughters will be like pillars carved to adorn a palace. Our barns will be filled with every kind of provision. Our sheep will increase by thousands, by tens of thousands in our fields, and our oxen will draw heavy loads. There will be no breaching of walls, no going into captivity, no cry of distress in our cities, because blessed are the people of whom this is true. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. In these five verses, uh, these five verses help us zero in on four specific areas that I believe we need to begin to war in the spirit. And the first one, if you're taking some notes, I hope you're ready to learn something today is the first one is you need to war for your family. You need to fight for your family. I mean, David called upon the name of the Lord to rescue him from all of his enemies. That's what the Bible just, we just read that in verse 11. Then in verse 12, he says, he he says, these are the results. Then our sons and their youth will be like well-nurtured plants. Our daughters will be like pillars carved to adorn a palace. This speaks of your family. You know, your sons and your daughters, that's your family. When we win these battles, you know, we've got a battle for our family. We have to win the battle for our family. And I want you to grasp the heart of God. He wants you to be delivered from every enemy. Can I hear an amen? Amen. But that just doesn't happen because you snap your fingers. It happens because you're willing to stand up and fight a little bit. And I'm looking at you. There's some fight in you. You can do this, you can win these battles. I mean, no weapon formed against you will prosper, the Bible tells us. I mean, he wants, the devil wants to come and destroy you. But Jesus has come to destroy the works of the enemy, your enemy. And more than anything, God is full of all these good plans for you and your family. But but that plan might not come to pass if you don't rise up and fight on behalf of your family. Look, nobody cares for your family as much as you do. Now, you can ask for prayer from the prayer teams here, from your pastors and whoever else. And, you know, they'll pray for you. And I'm glad they'll pray for you. And they'll believe and have faith with you. But they're not going to pray with the ferocity that you would. I mean, they're not going to make the sacrifice. And I mean, dig in there like you will because it's not their family. It's yours. Nobody's going to fight for your family more than you. And I believe you're going to win battles, spiritual battles. It starts with your family. Somehow God has put a fighting spirit in our hearts for us as you are. those that we most love. I don't think anybody's going to be as, as fierce as you are when it comes to your family. Isn't that right? I remember a story that Jack Haynes told. Jack Haynes is a pastor in Australia. You know Jack Haynes. And Jack Haynes is really kind of a missionary from America. He's from America. Got a, I mean, a, an amazing church. He has planted... I think two or three, 4,000 churches all over Asia. I mean, this church of about six or 700 people, I mean, they give millions of dollars to plant churches around the world. He's amazing. He told a story about the Bushmaster snake. Have you ever told a church about the Bushmaster snake? You may have. Well, I'm going to tell it again because <laughs> you've heard that story too. You know, the Bushmaster snake is probably one of the most deadly snakes in the world. And there were some American scientists that wanted to study this snake, but they'd never been able to capture one. So they went to this place where supposedly these snakes were so they could have one. So they hired some people to try to capture a snake, but nobody wanted to do it because they were afraid that if they went to, if they went to go and, you know, you know, get the snakes, that the snakes would come and attack their village. That was the, the lore that they had believed. But they were finally able to hire one man and he took him out into the bush and he wouldn't even go any further. He just pointed to the bush and he turned around and ran away. Now, somehow or other, those scientists found one of those Bushmaster snakes. They captured it. They put it in a crate to ship back home. And so... Uh, One, like I say, one had never been captured before, but they they took that crate and they lowered it into the hull or the hold of a ship where the other cargo was, and they shipped it uh, back home and they went back home. Well, every day they would go down and check that crate to see if the snake was okay. One day when they went down there, the lid of the crate had been uh, jarred aside and the snake was gone. They started searching that ship. I mean, they took guns. Everywhere, I mean above the deck. And they went to every single room. They went to every place they could find to see if they could find the most deadly snake in the world. And they finally concluded it was not above the deck, but it was in the hold of the ship. And two very brave men went down there with guns, anything else they could find. And, and they, they were sloshing through eight inches of water in the hold of that ship looking for this deadly snake that had gotten loose. And they saw on the side of the hall what looked like the snake. And they cautiously approached that snake and discovered that it was dead. And there was an old stray mama cat. I'm telling Jack Haynes' story that you've told too. The mama cat was sitting by the dead snake with her three little kittens. I mean, this hungry snake had gone after these, but somehow killed. And the mama cat not only protected the innocent babies, but somehow killed this snake. I mean, this snake was after her babies, and she got between the snake and her babies. This is what spiritual warfare is. Some of you saying, well, how did she kill the snake? We don't know how she killed the snake. That's not the real question here. The real question is, is not how, but why. You see, if you can ever figure out why you need to protect your family, why you need to fight for your family, I'm going to tell you the Holy Spirit will show you how. I guarantee you. I mean, it's not just how you fight spiritual battles to win as much as why you need to fight those battles to win. And if you don't know why, you'll never fight to win, you'll never figure out how to win. You need to know that Satan is like a snake. He's trying to come and pick off your family one by one to destroy them. Somebody's got to get between that snake and your family. And I'm looking at you right now. You're the ones. You're the brave ones. You're the fierce ones. You're the ferocious ones. Nobody else is going to do it but you. No one else. Somebody's got to be the mama cat. Somebody's got to get between the enemy and your family. Somebody's got to do it. Look, if there's a big enough reason why, you'll figure out the how. I promise you, you'll do that. Look, I don't know how she killed that snake. I don't know, but I know why she did it. She did it to protect her little babies. She did it to protect her kittens. Can I just tell you right now, everybody in your family is like those little kittens. Every one of them are valuable. Every one of them needs somebody to watch over them and protect them and get between the enemy. Come on, are you here today? Jeannie and I had to battle some some things for our children over the years. I'm sure like ma- many of you have. I mean, we had to discover the enemy and get between him. I mean, there was a time when our son had ear infections. Now, we didn't know what it was. You know, first child, you know, they get sick. They've been sick for a long time. You don't know what to do. And so we finally get to an ear, nose, and throat doctor. And he checks the ears. and uh, And he's a Christian doctor. Remember him? He said, these are so... Christian doctor, he said, he said, Look, he's got severe ear infections. He said, These are so bad, he probably already has hearing loss. We need to do surgery immediately. Can I tell you what? I got ticked off. I got mad. I'm just going to tell you right now. I mean, he was just two years old, and Jeannie and I began to praise. But I rose up, something that rose up in me. Said, I'm the dad. I'm the father of this child. How dare the enemy, how dare infection get, get in my child's ears? I mean, there was something that kind of rose, a warrior spirit rose up in me that said, how dare the devil do this? I mean, I took it personally. And Jeannie and I, look, Jeannie and I did not chalk this up to some childhood sickness or some childhood disease. We just didn't say, well, that's life. You know, kids are going to get sick. I mean, we'll get over it and he'll get over it, and he'll grow out of it. No, we treated it like an attack from the enemy. And Jeannie and I realized that sickness and disease does not come from God. The source of it is the devil. I'm talking about all the source of it is the devil. And so if that source has come into our home or come into our family, hold it right there. We don't allow the devil in our house. We don't not allow the devil with our children or our family. Somebody's got to get between the enemy and that and, and that sickness. Somebody's got to do it in my children. I've got to get between the, the, uh, the sickness and my family. And so we begin to bind the power of the enemy and speak God's word over him to, to to grab hold of, of the truth of God. And, and we told the enemy to take his hands off our son. I mean, we didn't, we didn't ask him. We told him. You know, there's a difference between knowing you have authority and thinking you have authority. You know, when you know you have authority, you just kind of step right up and say, well, bring it on. Come on. Give me your best shot. And that's what we do with the devil. You know what I was doing? I was warring for my family. I was warring for my son. We did spiritual warfare. We needed to win the battle, so we fought. We resisted the enemy. Several days later, we took my son in to have the surgery done. When the doctor looked at his ears, he said, There's nothing wrong with him. He said, They're perfect. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to tell you right now somebody's got to get between the enemy and your family. You're the ones. You're the ones. And by the way, my son has never had another hearing issue in his whole life. He's 43 years old. He's never had one issue. Come on, somebody, you can win the spiritual battles. Let me tell you how good God is and how he honors and protects those. Uh, all the years of my children, you know, they lived in our home 18, 19 years, however long it was, until we could finally get rid of them. But uh, I've learned change the locks on the doors when they turn 18 or 19. It's good. Downsized to one bedroom, they can't come home. But, you know, I added it up one time, and for the, for the duration of their life from birth to when they finally left home, you know how much money we paid on medical expenses a month for them? Less than six cents each per month for 18 years. Less than $500 we spent on medical bills. Look, for the first seven years when we planted our church in Denver, we didn't even have medical insurance. You know, health insurance doesn't guarantee health. Have you figured that out yet? (laughs) Everybody's so obsessed about having health insurance. Well, I've got it, but it doesn't guarantee my health. It just covers some of the expenses. You know what what guarantees my health? It's the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to get between the snake and your family. And when you know why you need to do it, you'll figure out how to do it. I can tell you that right now. You need to see that your family is a family of destiny. Your children are children of destiny. They really are. They are to be pillars in the house of the Lord. They are a heritage of the Lord. Psalm 128 talks about children are a heritage of the Lord. I mean, they're they're, they're like the olive plants round uh, round, uh, about your table. They aren't olive trees yet, but they're shoots. They're the plants that are shooting up. Uh, that represent peace and joy and prosperity and all those kinds of things look your kids don't have to be juvenile brats you know bringing forth the devil's fruit you can fight you can fight and win these battles are you with me today God God has given you the why you should fight now you just need to figure out how to do it I can just tell you how we did it we rose up and said hold it right there we drew the line in the sand that's enough Number one, you need to war for your family. Number two, you need to war for your finances. The next thing David says that we must fight in is the area of our finances. There should be some personal spiritual warfare when it comes to your money. Let me read this again. It says, our barns will be filled with every kind of provision. Our sheep will increase by thousands, by tens of thousands in our field. Now that happens after you have fought a battle. Why are you fighting in the battle? Because the devil tries to come and steal and tries to hurt your family. Number two, he tries to hurt your finances. Satan wants to steal your finances. Now, this verse we just read speaks of prosperity. Now, I know a lot of people, and I mean, I've been in the church world for a long time, and some people think it's a sin to ask God to have him prosper you. Now, that's so hypocritical, because I know you want God to bless you in every other place, but for some reason, you feel like being poor is being humble. I've never seen a poor, humble person my whole life. Don't look so innocent out there. But some of you are afraid for God to prosper you. So if you don't believe in prosperity, you must believe in poverty. So why don't you come down right now. Let me lay hands on you. We'll pray for that poverty spirit to really come upon you. And if you think money is evil, get that nasty stuff out of your wallet, come and bring it right here. I'll take care of all of it for you. I'll get rid of it for you. Okay. I don't see any takers. So hopefully you believe that God wants to prosper you. Am I right about this? It's all right to have it to you. That's God's right. It's enough to have enough to live on and give on. That's God's blessing to you. That's God's promise to you. But sometimes we act like a bunch of hypocrites. You know, in John, uh, 3 John 2, it says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in good health. Two things. He wants to prosper you and for you to be in good health just as your soul prospers. God wants you to prosper, to have your needs met, but the devil wants to always take away what God wants to give you. He wants you to be dissatisfied. He wants you to have lack, not never having enough. Look, if you want to receive the blessings of the Lord, you've got to accept some personal responsibility for the state of your finances. And only you can rise up and command and demand the devil to take his filthy hands off of what belongs to you. You're the only one. God gave it to you. Now, Satan wants to scrounge around. He wants to scrounge around for your daily bread so you have no time, no resources, no energy to do anything or be anything. I mean, if he can distract you with what you don't have, he'll keep you from what you can have. That's true. Listen, it doesn't matter whether you have a little or a lot. The devil's going to try to steal everything he can from you. I don't care if you're a pauper or a millionaire. You're a target. Because he doesn't want you to have any kind of blessing from God. None. Somebody's got to get between the enemy and your finances. That person, I'm looking at him right now. It's you. You're the one. Satan knows that one of the most sensitive areas of your life is your money. It's true. How many of you want more? about half of you. Okay, Lord, I'm going to take the half the other half that people don't want. Give it to me. I'll take it. I'll do something with it. You know, when your financial resources are attacked you win victory the same way you win when it's concerning your family. You fight for it. You war for it. You draw the line in the sand and you say, that's enough. Devil, you're not going to cross that line. You cross that line, we'll knock you out. I mean, y'all just double up your fist in the spirit and say, that's enough. We're talking about spiritual warfare that nobody wants to talk about. We want to blame our finances on on the economy, the inflation. Well, my my transmission fell out. It 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 was an accident. We want to blame it on everything. Except the devil who's trying to steal it from you. You know, when, it, when you have a financial shortage, why don't you just admit you have a financial shortage? A lot of people don't want to admit, I don't have enough. You know, it's not a bad confession to admit you don't have enough money or you can't have all your needs met. I, I, want, I want you to write this down someplace. Faith never requires you to deny reality. Faith is designed to propel you beyond that reality. That's what faith does. But how can you have faith beyond the reality unless... You're willing to say, this is the reality. I don't have any money. I don't have a house to live in. I've got no way to pay my bills. Winning financial battles first begins with your ability to have faith in God and His Word and His hand in your life. You've got to know that God wants to bless you. But I'm going to tell you, let me just say this. Uh, God is not going to bless bad stewardship. I mean, if you just go out and spend all your money on just stupid things, you're stupid. That's right. Can I say stupid in your house? I'm stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. You're stupid. You're dumb as a rock. And you're saying, well, God, I don't have enough money. God said, well, I gave you enough. But you blew it on all these other kind of things. Well, God's not responsible. Look, that's on you. That's not on the devil. That's on you. Now, you can blame the devil all you want. But when it's you're the one that's being uh, um, stupid, stupid, stupid. then that's a problem that you're going to have to deal with. Look, you need to remind yourself of the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples. It's in the Lord's Prayer. There's a section in the Lord's Prayer that deals with finances. You remember what it is? Give us this day our daily bread. See, God has already, He's already, He said, you can pray for this. Pray for your daily bread. Pray for prosperity. Pray for what you need. He said, I'm I'm the God that wants to give it to you. But you need to settle that God wants to give you what you need today. The devil wants to take away from you what God wants to give you today. So when you settle it in your heart that God wants you to have enough to live on and give on and it's not there, then you might think about Satan trying to steal it from you. I've had that happen to me many times. And I bind it. I said, devil, you're bound in the name of Jesus. What's bound on earth is bound in heaven. What's loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. You know what? I just take my spiritual authority. If he slaps me, I'm going to slap him back. He knocks me down i'm getting right back up you know the reason why because it doesn't belong to him it belongs to me my family belongs to me my finances belong to me god is the one who gave it to me i'm the one that's responsible to fight and to hold on to it god's expecting you to fight and hold on to what he gave you you got to get between the enemy and your family your enemy and your finances are you here with me today Amen. i got tons of stories to illustrate this but years ago you know we, we were in a financial bind I mean, I was doing okay, uh, uh, you know, as far as my job, this business that I had, this before I got in ministry many, many years ago, decades ago, and uh, and, and we were were kind of starving to death in a way, but I mean, the money was coming, but it was going to, it would be coming down a pipeline, you know, a long time later, but I had to kind of endure it until then. I was three months behind on my house payments. The only thing we had in our refrigerator to eat was a, a bottle of ketchup and some cold water. I had some potatoes and corn in the garden and some tomatoes. That's what we had to eat, and I had a little baby, our first child. There wasn't enough money, as I said, a t- mortgage. And by the way, uh, just a note, a side note, Jeannie and I continued to tithe. A tithe is a Hebrew word meaning a tenth. We gave ten, uh, 10 cents out of every dollar we got. I mean, I got a paycheck, but it just wasn't quite enough yet. It would be maybe down the road. And so we were in a difficult position financially. We were behind on house payments and all these things, about to lose everything that we had. And I mean, I could have blamed the economy. I could have blamed the government. I could have blamed people. I could have even blamed God, but I didn't do any of those things. Instead, I knew who the enemy was it was Satan. He's trying to steal from me. And I knew what he wanted to steal was my money. And I got between the enemy and that money. And he didn't know that I had a secret weapon. You know what my secret weapon is? My secret weapon is the word of God and God's promise. That was on my side. You know, what enemy can fight against that secret weapon? I've got secret- You've got a secret weapon. Hallelujah. Use your secret weapon. I, I, look, I knew I had spiritual power and authority. Look, I, I'm not afraid to throw my shoulders back and say, hold it right there, devil. Enough is enough. You're not going to cross that line. You're not going any further. I'm a child of the living God. I'm a son of the King, the one who created all the universe. The royal blood is flowing through my veins. I've been bought with a price. Who do you think you are, messing with one of the King's children? Not only am I going to slap you, but wait till the King gets hold of you. Amen. Hallelujah. So here's what I did. I reminded. Here's. I did two things. I reminded God of His promise to me. I to. I'm in a financial bind. I reminded God of his financial promise to me. I said, Lord, you say in the book of Malachi, you say that if I bring my tithe and my offerings into the house of the Lord, you will rebuke the devourer and you will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that there's not enough room to receive it. Now, Lord, I want to remind you of what your promise was to me. The Lord said, now you can test me in this. I said, Lord, I have faithfully been tithed. When I got a paycheck, even though it wasn't enough to cover everything, can I tell you the first check I wrote? It was to my church, 10%. When I needed to buy groceries, my mind was saying, you need to buy some groceries. My mind was saying, you need to put some money down on that mortgage. My mind was saying, you need to take care of this. My mind was saying all these kind of things. But you know what I did? I decided I was going to obey my spirit man, not my mind. And so we just kept writing those tithe checks. And our situation did not get any better at that point. But we staked our whole future on the Word of God. I said, okay, Lord, if I lose everything... I'm going to do it because I'm obeying you. And I trust you. That's how much I trusted God. Secondly, I began to command the devil, Satan, to loose his hold on my finances. I I told him, I said, you cannot curse what God has blessed. And I know I'm blessed because I know the word of God. That's my secret weapon. And I know the promises of God. That's my other secret weapon. And I reminded him of the promise of God. And I wasn't going to lie down. I wasn't going to take it. But I'm going to resist. I'm going to fight. I laid my hands on the checkbook. And I prayed for money to come in there. I laid my hands on the savings account statement. Which didn't have much in there. But I said it's going to get full. I laid my hands on all the bills. I said Lord I'm going to pay all these on time. Nine months went by. With no visible change. But I never gave up. I never quit fighting. I never quit tithing. And then one day. It seemed like everything turned around. I don't even know how to tell you this, but within a year, I didn't owe a penny to a person. Are you willing to fight? More than a day? More than a week? More than a month? More than months? Are you willing to fight? I am. Because you know the reason why? I I know who my enemy is. I've got to get between my enemy and the blessings of God. Are you following this at all? I knew that I'd be blessed because God's promises told me so. Now either you believe that or you don't believe it. Look, I just, I've decided that what God said is true. So I might as well just live that way. When your finances are being molested, don't blame the economy. Don't blame the government. Don't blame your boss or unexpected expenses that jump up in your lap. Recognize that you have an enemy called the devil. Let me go to the To the third thing, real quickly, you need to war for your protection. I need to hurry here. Jesus made it clear when he described Satan. He said he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan will do anything he can to inflict personal injury upon you. Am I right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. But one of the areas you need to war in is for your protection. Psalm 144, 14 says, There will be no breaching of the walls, no going into captivity, no cry of distress in our streets. This verse, in my opinion, refers to protection. As a child of God, divine protection is yours. Look, when I get on an airplane, I don't, I'm not afraid that it's going to crash. I'm not afraid when I'm in another country that some terrorist is going to hijack it. And I, I, I've been in some bad places before. But I'm just, I, I am not going to let fear dictate my life. I'm going to get between the enemy. I'm going to get between the enemy and what God says is my protection. You know, I'm just going to do that. That's how I live my life. That's how I'm going to live my life. And I think that's how you need to live your life also. Look, I'm not saying bad things are never going to happen to me. Because we know in this world things happen. Isn't that right? But I'm not going to be fearful that they're going to happen. So many people are afraid of COVID and all the variants now that are coming out. Can I just tell you what? I've got such total. I'm not saying I'll never get it. I'm not saying I'll never get sick. I'm not going to say I'll never get a disease or anything. What I'm saying, I'm just not afraid I've got this peace like a river that flows from the throne of God, and the reason why is because I know where my protection comes from. And the devil can throw out all these things of fear trying to get you to move. By the way, it all starts with an imagination. You know, an imagination, when you think on or you meditate on an imagination, it becomes a high thought. When you act on a high thought, it becomes a stronghold. I wish I had a whole sermon I could teach on this. When you you meditate on it, an imagination, it becomes a high thought. When you act on a high thought, it becomes a stronghold. If you don't break that stronghold, it becomes an oppression. That's the progression the devil uses to get you. A lot of times it starts with fear. Not going to happen. I've just decided the peace of the Lord is in me, Jehovah Shalom. No matter where you are or what you're doing, you need to settle it right now that God is watching your back. Amen? Amen? And I can so easily declare God's protection over my life and over my family's life. Look, when you know that God wants to protect you, that's a leverage you have over Satan. That's a secret weapon that you have. I mean, I constantly remind Satan of what God says to me about being his son, about his promises to me. You know, the Bible says no grave trouble will overcome the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but He will deliver us from them all. And on and on and on. I just remind the devil of that. Remind myself of that. You know what that is? That's fighting in the Spirit. You've got to know who's on your side in a fight. If I I happen to step out on the street and there's a gang of 20 people with knives coming to get me, but I have a friend right there with a machine gun, that just ain't a fair fight, is it? (laughs) Can I tell you right now, you've got the king of the universe who can command legions of angels to come and rescue you. When God's on your side, you can't lose. Are you with me? God's on your side. Let me go to the third thing. I'm I'm running out of time. You need to war for your happiness. Uh, When you go to war for your children, your family, your finances, for your protection, it makes you happy. makes me happy. There's something about that. I mean, not happy in the sense of feeling good, but happy in the sense of having joy that the Lord is my sustaining force. He's the one with me. He's the one for me. You know, when you rise up like a mighty warrior, there's a satisfaction that comes from assuming your rightful role. You know, that mama cat sat there by that snake proudly with her three little kittens sitting right there. She didn't think anything of that snake. She didn't think anything about how deadly that snake was. All she thought of was, I've got to get between the enemy and my family. The enemy and everything else. There's a joy with that. David said, Psalm 144, verse 15, Blessed are the people of whom this is true. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Let me read this to you out of the Amplified Bible. Happy and blessed are the people who are in such a case. Yes, happy, blessed, fortunate, prosperous to be envied are the people whose God is the Lord. You see when you rise up and take your rightful place as a child of God there's something that makes you happy on the inside. You've taken your rightful place. You'll never be happy by being a spiritual coward. You'll never find a sense of joy by ignoring Satan. Pretending it's something else. Hoping he'll go away or denying that he is the source of your problem. Your happiness will come when you rightfully stand up, speak up about God's truth, God's words, God's promise for your life. That's where the happiness comes from. It comes when you walk through this life knowing that on the inside that you've been given spiritual authority and power by God. You know, you're responsible for the degree of your happiness. I don't know if you know this, the degree of your joy. You're responsible for that. I'm not. I mean, you can just sit around every day and mope and let the devil do whatever he wants. Or you can just pick up this mantle that God has given you, this sword... That He's given you, and run it through every demon that comes by you. It's time for us to be warriors again. It's time for us to fight again. Some of you need to start fighting. You've just been so lazy. (laughs) You've been because I see heads doing this right here. Because you know exactly what I'm. I'm not rebuking you. I'm trying to challenge you. Because we're all that way. Somebody needs to come along and slap us, kick us, push us, pinch us. Right? That's my job. (laughs) Because I know you can win these battles. Battles for your family, for your finances, for your protection, and for your happiness. I just want you to know that God is with us, God is for us, and most importantly, God is in us. And if we don't start at the last one, you know, you can know God is with you and for you, but if He's not in you, if the Spirit of the Lord is not in you, you're not going to win any battles. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? I'm going to close because I've gone over my time limit. Thank you for giving me a few extra minutes. Hope it was worth it. You know, when you have in you not just the name of Jesus, but the Spirit of Jesus, no enemy can stand. Some of you know him in your mind, but you haven't known him in your heart. If you have, you've slipped away. It's time to come home. It's time to say, Lord, I invite you in me. I know you're for me. I know you're with me, but I need you in me. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Some of you need to invite him in again. Is that you? I want to pray for you. Slip your hand up, back down, let God see you. Amen. Is there anyone else? He needs to be in you. Amen. Don't be ashamed. This is the most important moment of this whole message. I'd just soon start right here in a message and work backwards. Sometimes you have to kind of be induced or encouraged to connect with God. Because you know you have an enemy. You can't fight him by yourself. You need the power of the Lord. It comes through salvation. It comes through giving your heart to him inviting him in your heart. Anyone else? I saw some hands. Amen. Amen, brother. Thank you, sister. If you lifted your hand, everybody in this church, you just pray along with me. Lord, I lifted my hand because I know that I know. That I know you're for me. I know you're with me. But I sure you're in me. And today I'm inviting you into my heart. This is going to be a new day for me, Lord. I'm going to be a new creature. All things will pass away. Old things will pass away. And I'm going to be brand new because you're filling me with your spirit, with your forgiveness, with your love, and with your power. I thank you for this day. I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. It's a new day for me. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Did you get anything out of this? Well, why don't we just
0: praise the Lord for a moment? Thank you. Amen. I appreciate Pastor Mike. I appreciate you and Jeannie. You know what I feel in this moment? I just feel the peace of the Lord. I feel his affirming sense of peace. And what I hear him saying is, this is going to be all right I don't know what battles or struggles you're faced with, Elizabeth and I, like Mike and Jeannie, have been through our fair share, but I know God is with us, amen. Let's stand up. It's great to have you out. Hey, listen, next Sunday is going to be busy. We're doing water baptisms at the river. We're doing Sean Foyt in the afternoon at South Park. That's going to be wild because we're going to see some people get saved and minister to them. And then make plans, August 22nd, we got a food truck we're bringing Uh, A great Sunday, a little party. It'd be great to have you out for that week. So we love you. We'll catch you all next week. God bless.